Nathan. Hello, Trev. How are you doing, mate? I'm doing all right. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to We Need to Talk About Movies podcast. I am Trev. And I'm Nathan. And we are talking about today. Oh, it's a classic today. It is a classic, Trev. Yeah. I see dead people. That's right. Sixth Sense. Oh, Sixth Sense. Yeah, yeah. I've just watched Titanic. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) No, you're right. It is Sixth Sense. That was just just my Sixth Sense of humour. Yeah. So, The Sixth Sense. Classic 1999 film from M. Night... We're going to call him Knight in this. M. M. Knight. (laughs) Shyamalan. 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 Or as uh, Quentin Tarantino calls him, M. Knight Shyamalama Ding Dong. (laughs) I'm sure they're friends. Yeah, yeah. It's been absolute years since I've watched this one, if I'm honest. I think the last time I watched Sixth Sense was at the cinema when it first released. Don't think I've ever watched it since because... Once you've seen it, you've seen it in a sense, haven't you, Nath? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to lie. I think the last time I watched it was probably. I didn't see it in the cinema. I think I watched it as soon as it was available on um, DVD or out for hire. I think that's when I actually ended up watching it. Um, you know, great film, good watch. But like you say, it's it's not the film that keeps giving. I guess. No, but I think it was interesting watching it, knowing what you know from watching it obviously Sixth Sense is a film with a massive spoiler potential so it's best if you've watched this because we we could save the spoiler for the end talk through the film in order I guess and then get up to the spoiler it's it's very difficult to do that I think with this particular film because when you're reviewing the film there is so much that you want to say about the film that adds to the review once you're aware of the spoiler. Yeah. So let's have... This is a spoilerific review. Should we just say that? By now, yeah, everyone if, should have known, should have seen The Sixth Sense. And if you have seen The Sixth Sense, you know what happens. If you haven't, maybe you've heard what happens. If you haven't heard what happens... <laughs> and you haven't seen it, haven't don't seen listen it. to the podcast. Don't listen to the podcast. Go and watch it because it is a fantastic film. Then come back and you can have... Oh, you could enjoy this podcast to its full extent. How does that sound? Well, I mean, that sounds wonderful to me. I mean, that, if I was if I was recording a podcast, if I was currently in the middle or at the start, the very beginning of recording a podcast about The Sixth Sense, that sounds like exactly the sort of advice that I would give to someone listening to this right now. Good. Right, we're on the right track now then. <laughs> <laughs> We've got the right film. It's not Titanic. And it's spoilerific. So, uh, that's an actual term, spoilerific. Is it? Because, uh, I mean, like many words that come out of your mouth, <laughs> you know, they do sound fictional. Yeah, no, that is a, a true word. Uh, watch any films this week, Nath? Uh, no, I haven't actually watched any um, any proper films outside of this, actually. How about you? You watch any films this week? Um, yeah, we have. Um Oh, we watched film on Amazon Prime last night. Um, I forgot what it's called. Greenland with... <laughs> I forgot what he's called. <laughs> the main character is Greenland with... Oh, what's his name? Leonidas. 
It's not Leonidas. It is. Gerard. Gerard Dupa- Butler. Dupadu. Gerard Butler. Um, it was all right. I think that's an interesting one we'll have to talk about, Nath. Yeah. You've got Amazon Prime, haven't you? Yes, I have got Amazon Prime. Yeah, I think um, we'll talk about that in a future episode, if that's all right. I've got Amazon Prime in the way that so many people probably didn't realise that they've got it because they wanted something delivered tomorrow. So they took a 30-day free subscription to Amazon Prime and then turned on some smart TV and realised that they were already like tuned into it or something. And then when they get back over their accounts, they realise that someone's taking £90 from their account every year that they didn't realise was being paid for. <laughs> but this is what happened to us. Last week, my wife said, um, when did you subscribe to Amazon Prime? I said, I haven't. And she says, well, we've just had seven ninety nine come out of our account. <laughs> so we must have had it for a month without even knowing we had it. <laughs> Which is quite annoying. So we we missed the three months. So we're actually paying for this month just to see what's on there. But it's quite frustrating, Amazon Prime, isn't it? If you go through the menu, it's really irritating because every column that you go through has the same films in as the column above and the column below. And you just go, I'm just looking at the same 10 films here. And then when you finally find something, you think, oh, watch that. Oh, you have to pay £4.95 for that one. <laughs> Yeah. Like, what am I paying I mean, for? On on the flip side, if you're a Netflix subscriber, right? So you're paying pretty much the same. Uh you don't get any free next day delivery service from any um company that you're ordering from online. And although it might not be frustrating in the same way as that when you finally find something you want to watch you have to pay for it like on Amazon because everything you get on Netflix is already paid for. But the moment you type something into the search function on Netflix, you can pretty much guarantee that if it's something worth watching, it's not going to be on there, yeah. which is equally as frustrating. <laughs> yeah, there is that. So, should we get on with the uh, Sixth Sense? Oh, yes. Yeah, we came to talk about that, didn't we? This is what we're here for. Do you remember? Yes. Yeah. So, Shamalama Ding Dong. Let's call him Knight. Yeah. But this was the film, really, that made him, wasn't it? obviously launched his career and it is fantastic especially at the time it came out it was a time when there was a lot of sort of twists in movies wasn't it yes yep and this is one of the best and we watched this this time round with our son who's 16 who we recently watched Shawshank Redemption with and he twigged on to the twist of Shawshank Redemption So I was thinking, he's bound to get this. And when you watch this again, having known the twist at the end, where Bruce Willis is a ghost, he, it's blatant, isn't it? Everywhere. It's so blatantly there. That's what's so impressive about it. Yeah. Hidden in plain sight. Yeah. My son never had an idea. He got all the way up to the end. And when they're like, the boy says, should we pretend we're going to see each other tomorrow? And he's like, yeah. And he said, all right, I'll see you tomorrow. And it's a big emotional scene. And my son, his face lit up. And I thought, oh, he's tweaked. He's got it. He's got it. And he turned to me and he says, Bruce Willis is going to die now, isn't he? And he is going to see him tomorrow as a ghost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, brilliant. He thinks he's got it, but he hasn't. You know, he's that close to working it out. But he hadn't. And it is that it, it is an impressive, impeccably impressive movie for that exact reason 
there's little details like when the young lad comes back home from school and he comes in and you've got that really uncomfortable looking scene where you've got um, the the symmetry in the scene of his mum sat on one side in a chair and Bruce Willis sat on the other side in the chair and then the door is dead centre and that awkwardness of him walking in and sort of realising that Bruce Willis is there. We're all sat there thinking... This is a child that has some sort of mental health issue. He's going to feel uncomfortable because his psychiatrist is there who he doesn't really like. He's not taking a shine to. Okay, this is totally natural. Everything's really frosty. His mum's leaving the room because she's going to leave them there to talk. Bruce Willis is asking him questions. The kid's being difficult and being silent. You just make no no connection. But then when you watch it back and you realise that the, the kid's being silent because he's hiding the fact from his mum that he's speaking to a ghost that she can't see. But like you say, it, it's a huge leap to try and make if you haven't seen the film before and you, you don't know it. But when you watch it back, it does seem so obvious, doesn't it? Yeah, it's it's littered throughout it, isn't it? It's like it, nearly every line that someone speaks, the blatant snubbing of him by his wife. You know, she doesn't even pay a glance to him. There's a brief moment when you see when they're at the 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 restaurant for their anniversary. Yeah, she does almost look y- at him. Yeah, that's she? it. And that, and you're like, oh, that was subtle, but it really is. It it really does throw you off the scent, doesn't it? But I think watching it this time, I was thinking, ah, oh, she keeps watching the old wedding videos. Surely, if she's trying to forget about him, she wouldn't keep watching that, knowing that he's going to be around. And it's like that's a giveaway. That stop doing that, <laughs> you know. But yeah it doesn't give it away you know our son it went completely over his head and it was really impressive so at the beginning of the film we start obviously we meet bruce willis and he's he's a great child psychiatrist him and his wife who is played by olivia williams who i've seen in rushmore have you ever seen rushmore the wes anderson film i think i've actually got it on my shelf that's the only time i've ever seen her in anything i think it's it's strange watching this this time. I was like, ah, oh, she's the she's the wife. Oh, I remember now. I had it in my head. Tony Collette was going to be the wife because I knew Tony Collette was in it, but I didn't realise that she was Cole's mum. Watching it again, it's like, oh, she was Cole's mum, and I didn't realise who she was at the time I first watched this. Yeah, because she I've was um, in more things. She's Muriel, isn't she? She's Muriel. She's. I've recently watched her in Knives Out. Right. Yes. Um, and. Hereditary, she was in that as well. But um, so it, the film starts anyway. And Bruce Willis and his name is Malcolm. Uh, what an <laughs> what a name for our hero! <laughs> I can't help but laugh when I hear his name is Malcolm. It's just not the sort of name you associate with Bruce Willis, or especially Bruce Willis in a in a Hollywood production. <laughs> No, for sure. And he has hair in this. The first thing my son said when the f- opening scene is like, oh, Bruce Willis had hair? Like, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that, but... that's how long ago it was, isn't it? You know? Exactly, I mean, yeah. let's face it, 99, that was 22 years ago. You know? That's a long time, isn't it? It is. But what? Surely Die Hard must have been the late eighties. He had he had hair in the first Die Hard films. He must have done. Yeah, yeah, I know I'm sure he did. Yeah. I can see his fading hairline now as he's jumping out off the top of a building tied to a fire hose shouting, Yippee Kaye. When he done Die Hard he was out 
out on a limb becoming this action hero and no one thought of him as an action hero at that point he'd done uh moonlighting hadn't he the tv series and he'd done a a film with kim bassinger called blind date and he was sort of a bit of a putz and a bit of a sort of a lovable rogue i think but you wouldn't have had him down for an action hero and i think he by this point he's established himself as an action hero so probably doing the sixth sense he's trying to claw back a bit of bit of dignity bit of diversity a bit of diversity yeah but a bit of like oh i am an actor i can do this yeah and i think that he I was going to touch on it later, but I'll just come out and say it now. The young boy in this, Haley Joel Osment, is an amazing actor, an amazing child actor. And I think this, he brings on those tears, and it's so realistic. And there's one shot of Bruce Willis where he starts to cry, and I just, I almost laughed because it, it looked that appallingly awful. And I mean, I, I, I'm not saying I could do it, but you can tell he hasn't got that range like that young boy has. Yeah. And I think on the documentary that I watched after, Bruce Willis said, oh, me and Knight decided that, you know, we filmed me crying loads, but we decided that it wouldn't be my character to to shed a tear. So we, so we cut the crying. And I was thinking, yeah, I bet that's exactly why. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to do with how awful it, it looked. I bet you know, like Knight was watching that just sort of cringe and going, Oh Bruce, oh this how how can I break this to Bruce? <laughs> yeah, I don't think your character would cry, you know? <laughs> We've got this far, let's just leave it. But there's there's a lot of um when you when you watch the whole film, there is a lot of weight on the shoulders of Haley Joe Osmond. Oh yeah. So if his performance wasn't as strong it would have been very difficult because there's child actors and there's child actors, but there's so much pressure on him to deliver in this film, isn't there? Oh yeah. And he, but he, he does a compelling job. I saw him in AI as well. And I thought he was amazing in that as well. He also plays Forrest Gump's son, doesn't he? Yes. Um, Yeah. He doesn't have so much of a big role in that, but in this, yeah, he's constantly scared. He's constantly confused you can see there's that inner turmoil. Haley Joel Osment, he carries those anxieties perfectly, doesn't he? There's not a moment where you just think, ugh, he's hamming it up, or you just believe it, don't you? Yeah, just, no, he's is faultless. a fantastic little actor. He is still about. I've seen him in, um, oh, he's in that Ted Bundy film that came out last year with, what's the guy out of Baywatch? Um, Hasselhoff? Baywatch. No. Oh, Zach Efron. Zac Efron, where he plays Ted Bundy. Yeah, that Haley Joel Osment is in that film as well. And as a, a grown-up actor, it's not as big a role, and he doesn't really get to shine in it, but he is still about. Does he um, still have a, like, a, a very adult male sort of uh, appearance, but with a very childlike face still? He do, He's like quite a big bloke now, sort of... Uh, bought, sort of a, a bit chunky he's got a big beard yeah um but yeah you can still tell it's him he's still got like a young childy face but yeah i don't know where i'm going but I... 
That's all right, mate. It doesn't matter, does it? It's not like we're live well, or anything. You know, it's a, it's a shame that a lot of these child stars don't have the same clout once they reach sort of adulthood. Maybe he does, maybe he does a lot of stage acting. I don't know, I can't say. But he definitely knew the craft at that young age, didn't he? Very well. Yeah, it's quite often, though, um, the attributes that give you the right appearance possibly for a role when you're that young, you know, as you grow up and mature, go through puberty and all your changes and turn into an adult, quite often when you come out the other side of that, you're not exactly what necessarily Hollywood was looking for in a, in a lead role for other films. No. Like, you know what I mean? It's... I think Donnie Wahlberg at the beginning as well, obviously sort of the lesser known brother of Mark Wahlberg. Yep. I was going to ask that actually. Yeah, found a member, one of the members of New Kids on the Block. I think they were both in it, weren't they? Wow. Um, but you've seen Band of Brothers. He's in Band of Brothers. He's one of the main characters in that. Yeah. I'm just trying to think uh, which character he was. Yeah, at the moment I see him, it'll be like, oh, right, okay. Because yeah, he does look very, in this film, unrecognizable. It's only because you saw his na- I saw his name in the title that you know it might have took a minute to watch it and go ah oh, donnie donnie Wahlberg. he's very skinny he lost a lot of weight for it i thought a very powerful performance from him and it's surprising we don't see him in a lot more and the fact he stood there in his pants that was something he suggested as well because he was supposed to be sort of in gothic clothes and dressed up a bit like like robert smith from the cure but he's um he thought no I, you know i think he should be naked when he's doing this you know stripping himself of all these earthly things because he wants to leave yeah i think also it communicates like that childlike vulnerability as well oh yeah you're never as vulnerable as when you're naked are you I no think they end up sticking pants on him just to keep him just to keep that pg rating because you must remember as well this is a this is only a pg film and it's quite dark and it's quite harrowing in places for younger viewers it's not i wouldn't say it's horror but it's got some horror scares isn't it yeah i think sort of it's not really what you're seeing it's what's implied the thought of a child being tormented by permanently seeing um dead people and all of their problems you know like the the girl when she's clearly being sick out of her mouth the woman that's got the burns on her or the slip wrist is you know it doesn't need to be uh overly gory imagery it is what what it suggests to psychologically the the permanent daily torment of this child having to see that around every corner you know that's that's the terrifying thing i think about this film you know these ghosts are drawn to this little boy and it must be because at first i was thinking what all these ghosts haunt this same house i don't get it i don't but they're all drawn to him aren't they because he can see them and they all know that he can help them and it's through his helping them that he finds his peace but it's bruce willis it's almost as if bruce willis's job is to help this boy find peace to make up for the child that he couldn't help yeah yeah that's his unfinished business so to speak isn't it obviously it's a very similar but much more serious plot than um ricky gervais's ghost town isn't it (laughs) i don't know if i've seen ghost town have you not (laughs) 
You should definitely watch it. It is a really funny film. Yeah, I like Ricky Gervais's series, but whenever I watch him in a film, I always think, oh, God, this is awful. This is cringeworthy. What was the other one where he's... It's the Invention of Lying. That was yeah. brilliant. I oh, loved that film. No, I'd see, I just cringed all the way through it. Just there's elements of it that I thought were just genius, but obviously it didn't hit the same chord with you. But No, I think, I don't know. I, I find comedies harder to watch on my own. If I'm watching it with other people, then I'll, I'll tend to find things funnier. Yeah. So it might have been that. It might have been but Anyway, we'll talk about Ricky Gervais here. <laughs> just slightly... Uh, off topic. I think, yeah, but he definitely took something from the plot of Sixth Sense and turned it into Ghost Town for sure. But yeah, yeah. there's the uh, the film The Others as well, isn't there, with Nicole Kidman? Have you seen that? Not sure I have. Similar sort of plot. What came first, Others or Sixth Sense? Oh, Sixth Sense would have come first. Right. But um, yeah, in The Others, it's Nicole Kidman and her family sort of in this house that's being haunted and yeah that's quite it's quite an interesting film that's a good one i do love a good twist in a film should we have a little discussion about twists in films yep go for it uh lace in trails commented last time we was talking about scorsese films in our previous podcast and lace in trails commented and said shutter island is an awesome film now obviously that's a film with a twist that's dicaprio isn't it dicaprio but i'm going to admit that this was the I don't often get the twist but with Shutter Island I got the twist at the very first clue that he found which is like 10 minutes into the film and it just it ruined the film for me I couldn't enjoy it because I was like oh yeah it's that it's so obvious that film is the only one where I like I saw that coming a mile off and I didn't didn't really get into it one of my favourite twists not a twist as such but the end of um, L.A. Confidential. Yes, yeah. Where the Rolo Tomazzi, he mentions the name Rolo Tomazzi, and then it comes back at the end, and it all like, ah, now we know what's going on. Here. Oh, it's been so long, I'd have to watch it again. It is a brilliant film. That's a great film, but I read the book, and the that Rolo Tomazzi thing, not mentioned in the book, it's completely made up, for the film which I think is amazing it's not often you get a film that betters the book and I saw on the documentary of the LA Confidential the author of the book said one of those rare films that I watched and I was like why didn't I think of that (laughs) what's your favourite film with a twist without ruining the twist in case others want to go out and watch it favourite film with a twist I've got to be honest, I feel unprepared. I've never seen that. Yeah, no, it's wonderful. <laughs> Hell of a twist at the end. Turns out... He was prepared. ...that he's not hes not a bloke at all. It's a woman in a really clever disguise. Ah, I've, I think I have seen that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, Obviously, you got The Usual Suspects. Had a bit of a twist at the end. That's quite a good one. The usual, That's Kevin Spacey again, isn't Kevin it? Kevin Spacey, yeah. Seven, that's Kevin Spacey as well. Right, I've got it. Fight Club. Yeah, Fight Club, David Fincher. And Seven was David Fincher as well. I remember watching, yeah, Seven. I hadn't watched it. For some reason, I missed it at the cinema, and I knew there was a twist, and I was like, oh, I want to watch that, work out the twist. Then it was on DVD, and I never watched it, and I kept missing it. And then one night it was on telly, and we was around at a friend's house, and he's like, oh, Seven's on. Have you ever seen that? And I was like, no, I've never seen Seven. And I said, and I don't know the twist either. And he's like, oh, we've got to watch it then. And we stuck it on. 
literally 20 minutes into it and his mum walks in the room and says oh is this the one where such and such and such <laughs> just blurted <laughs> out the twist and I was like I got that far probably like three four years after its release without knowing the twist ruined within 20 minutes of the watching the film savage I watched Lucky Number Slevin. I don't know if I've seen that. It's quite a good film. Is it Josh Hartnett, I think? Right. Um, Morgan Freeman and... Oh, I want to say it's our friend from Sexy Beasts. Kingsley. Yeah, I think it's Ben Kingsley again. Um, It's a good film. Yeah. I'm sure it is. In actual fact, I am, I've got a computer in front of me. I'm going to Google it. Lucky Number Slevin, 2006 film. Uh, Chris Roberts, Anthony Rulin... Robert Kravis, Tyler Mitchell. This this does not see. No, that's the producers. Well done, mate. Yeah, Ben Kingsley. Ben's Kingsley. <laughs> Josh Hartnett. I was like, I don't recognise any of these names. <laughs> I was like, who are these people? Bruce 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 Willis, Lucy Liu, Josh Hartnett, Ben Kingsley, Morgan Freeman. I mean, it's an all star cast. It's it's definitely worth a watch. You know. Yeah. And that's one that sort of catches you at the end. Isn't yeah, it? there's a twist at the end, and you're just like, ah, right, I get it. It's not, it's not like a really well hidden twist. You know, there are elements to it where you're just like, you've got an inkling that yeah. something's going on. But it's, um, I don't know, it's just a real, it's a fast paced, easy watch as well. You know? Yeah. So we go back to the film now, and it's like I said, it's not a horror film, but there is, it's a ghost film. There's like some really interesting scenes the scene where Tony Collette's getting the boys breakfast and she walks out and then when he comes back into the, she comes back into the kitchen and all the cupboards are open yes and it's all sort of filmed in one shot really similar to a shot from the Spielberg Tobe Hooper film Poltergeist you must have seen Poltergeist nope hey nope no I don't watch films like that Oh my. Well, there's a scene in there where the mum is in the kitchen and she's pottering away and she turns around and the camera follows her as she puts something over here and then as she turns back, all the chairs are stacked up on the table. A brilliant shot. Amazing how they must have slid one table in and out in an instant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she just really screams. and it's. But the Tony Collette, I mean, she's great in this film the scene between her and the son at the end in the car is just an amazing scene we'll talk about that in a minute but she must have realised that there is something more to this boy you know and she keeps thinking he's lying when he's telling her this you know but for something weird like that to happen she must have an inkling and to see those sort of spherical light beams in all the photos around him Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was an interesting part because it's not really it's not picked up on again throughout the film, is it? And she she never mentions it. She just very briefly notices these sort of um, orbish sort of presences in the in the photographs, and and but then obviously because they're sort of semi transparent, she, he's sort of looking through them, and she's like you said, she's clearly sort of piecing together a puzzle. But I guess maybe you know it's her son. She's a mother. She doesn't want to believe or buy into it, I guess. But the scene between her and Haley Joel Osment in the, the car at the end, which is actually the scene that comes straight after the little boy says to Bruce Willis, let's pretend we see each other tomorrow. Yes, yep. So at this point, my son is like, Bruce Willis is going to die. 
and then the little boy's going to see him as a ghost. The very next scene, it cuts to a car crash. That's where my son, all of a sudden, when that car crash was shown, in the very next shot, he looked at me and he's like nodding. Told you, I knew it, I've sussed it. But he hadn't. <laughs> he hadn't sussed it at all. Do you think it was sort of, um, Knight, M. Knight used it as a bit of a red herring almost? Although it was, it enabled yeah. the plot to continue the way he wanted to, but... It gave you that sort of sense up until the point where the boy says, you know, a lady's died down there. I can tell because she stood behind me at the window. Um, up until that point, yeah, you might have, as an audience member, been thinking the same thing. Bruce Willis is in that car. The only thing that sort of about that scene that really sort of makes me wonder or ask any questions is the fact that the whole premise that Bruce Willis has come to and the solution for uh, the young boy sort of dealing with all of these ghosts that he keeps seeing is that they're communicating to him because there's something that they want him to do for them, uh, which implies that the car accident would have been, there would have been some sort of foul play there, which is why the ghost is there looking at um, Haley Joel Osment. And it just, it feels a bit loose feels it almost a little bit forced, if I'm honest. Yeah, I guess it's used as a sort of a narrative structure in the sense that, like we say, it might have been to hint or to throw you off the scent, thinking, like like I said, maybe Bruce Willis has died here. But it also gives the boy the opportunity to discuss it with his mother. But yeah, if you're thinking of the logic of it... then All, maybe... all it would have taken to make everything right would have been for once he'd explained things to his mum to get out of the car and walk off with the ghost towards the accident. And that would have just tied it up lovely. Yeah, but they are trapped in this car together and it it gives him the chance to explain to his mother the hitherto's and why fours, (laughs) (laughs) the reasoning behind his his strange behaviour. And he says, you know, I've been speaking to grandma and... The music just... Well, there is no music in that scene, and it is just the sound of the streets and everything is muted out of the scene, and it's just literally those two acting against each other. Tony Collette. You can almost tell that that boy has brought those tears out of her face. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 for sure. What Bruce Willis couldn't do, Tony Collette is just... She just reacts to this boy, and it's their relationship throughout the film is a really sort of a a tender relationship. She's quite sort of a strong mother for him. She's never judgmental of him unless she thinks he's lying. And even then you can tell that she's really struggling with the idea. You know, like when she's explaining to him at the kitchen table, like you said, when she's asking him about that necklace and he's like, I didn't move it. And she can't in any way comprehend any other way in which that necklace would have found its way into his bedroom. And she's, you know, she is angry. She does think that he's lying. But even then, all she can say is, I think you need to leave the table. You've had enough beef. She's not flipping out like you'd expect a single parent under that sort of level of stress to do because she does love and care for him. And that, you know, that builds up um, in the viewer all the way through the film, doesn't it? So when you get to this final scene uh, where they're in the car, like you say, and it is a tender scene. And as the viewer... When you get that final relief and release of their 
the the tension between them over um Haley Joel's uh Osmond's secret this that you know the fact that he can see dead people and when his mum finally gets it and understands the relief that you feel as a viewer is is genuine relief isn't it like you know it is a well put together scene just think he needs to get out of the car at the end of it that's all <laughs> mum there's something I've got to do yeah by the way a lot of these ghosts that he sees are that f- frightening and you just think you see him resolve the one storyline with the little girl and the mum or the stepmum, I take it, who's sort of poisoning her, keeping her ill. Yeah. But you see him resolve that story, but you don't see him resolve any others. I mean, you don't need to. You just sort of know. But some of them, you're just thinking, how could he help those people that were hanging there? How could he help, you know, the little boy who shot the back of his head off? Yeah. So I felt that I didn't pick it up in that car scene, but I picked it up in other you know, I was like left thinking, well, how does he sort all this out? So I think it's just, it's not the most, not the most tidy wrap up of events, but you've just got to have some sort of, everything is there to move the story and the, and it does move the story on, but it's like the sleight of hand trick, you know, that Bruce Willis does. Obviously it's not a sleight of hand trick at all. Yeah. That's what the whole film is. It's distracting you from the ending yeah and i think when you make sacrifices in the plot to hide a good twist the overall film is going to suffer from it and i, I think sort of you know, like like you pointed out that, that i hadn't thought about until you said it like the three people hanging in the schoolhouse that had been dead for well over 100 years i mean how is he going to resolve that to the point where he doesn't have to see them every day whilst he's walking down the school corridor exactly yeah but i think you just got to put that all aside because there is it's all just to make a scary experience and to make you think you're watching a ghost film that's centred around the boy rather than centred around Bruce Willis. And it's Bruce Willis's understanding of the case that's going to essentially help the boy. But I love the bit, it's the bedtime story scene where Bruce Willis is sat with the boy. Bruce Willis is like, oh, I'll tell you a bedtime story. And he, he sort of divulges his own plot. Yeah, but Haley Joel Osment then says, "You need to add some twists and stuff." And I just think, oh, so clever how they just the whole way through that making it blatantly obvious. So the next time you watch it, you're just like, "Ah, oh, look, it's there. Everything is there." It is that scene in particular is quite funny because or interesting as well because all of a sudden, when Cole is asking Malcolm to sort of put some twists in it when he's telling that bedtime story, he almost assumes the role of the psychologist and Bruce becomes the patient. You know what I mean? They sort of flip responsibilities yeah. really subtly there. Yeah, they do. It's, yeah, it's great. Really, really clever little scene that, isn't it? It is, yeah. The boy is here to help put an end to Bruce Willis's sort of torment on the earth and it is that point, that is the moment where he's sort of like setting it all up for him, isn't he? I see dead people. They don't know that they're dead. You know, it's all... It's all laid out there. But it definitely needs that second watch, though, doesn't it? To oh, sort yeah, of you, really you appreciate it, it doesn't it? Uh, another thing I noticed is, I don't know if this was intentional or not, but recently I just watched a film by a German filmmaker called Wim Wenders. But it's called Wings of Desire. Right. Now, Wings of Desire is all about angels who just stroll around Berlin uh, before the wall has come down. 
and they just sort of observe people and it's a really it's an art it's like an arty film it's quite a, a slow paced film but these angels they're all dressed in trench coats and the first thing yeah. I noticed that on this film after Bruce Willis is shot and then it cuts to the next time you see Bruce Willis he's an angel and he's dressed in this trench coat and it's like almost the identical clothing as in this film Wings of Desire so I wonder if that was like a, like some sort of homage to yeah it. a homage to it and also like a wink look, look he's dressed like the angel you know he is no more I'm looking at some imagery from that Wings of Desire was that Columbo in it Columbo's looks in it. yeah he is yeah plays himself get on yeah but yeah like you say I'm looking at it now and it's some very like with the the trench coat with the thick heavy sort of scarf around it yeah. is very very similar isn't it yeah it is exactly you know that is the first thing that I thought when I saw that I was like because it's only sort of a couple of months ago I watched that Wings of Desire so it's quite fresh in my mind and it yeah it took me by surprise to see Bruce Willis dressed like those yeah, the main angel is actually played by Bruno Ganz, who plays Hitler in Downfall. Have you seen that? The German film of Hitler's last day in the bunkers. I don't think I have, mate. Yeah, that's really good. But, yeah, that's gone off track again. <laughs> yeah, but that, that's the thing. that Like, a lot of films are reflections of films that have come before. You know, a lot of directors have other directors that have inspired them. Film, film's been a long, around long enough now that you know, people do reflect their heroes in their work, yeah. don't they? There's a there's a f- very few laughs in this film, but there is a few moments. The scene, the cough medicine commercial that his friends in, yes, yeah, sort of brought a smile to my face. The scene where he goes to watch Cole in the school play, and then as the children come out, everyone lifts up their old, their camcorders. <laughs> yes, but yeah, that scene. I know it's a lovely scene and he's finally accepted, you know, he's found his piece and now he's in the play. But that scene didn't hit home sort of with me in the, the you know, it didn't feel like an honest scene. It felt the the hammed up yeah, sort of all like all of a sudden everything's they pick him fine. Up and he wanted to be swung around, you know, like when he says to his mum, they how was your day? And then they say how their day their ideal day would have been not really telling the truth yeah. and his was that he wanted to be held up and by all his teammates celebrated yeah. and then for this yeah. to happen at this point and it just it felt like it was shoehorned in there yeah but then I think with this as well you're following Bruce Willis you don't know how long has gone on between each of his visits he says at the beginning I lose track of time yeah it could be minutes it could be days it could be ages i guess so i think for me the the more heartwarming scene is seeing cole for almost the very first time throughout the whole film doing anything like a boy his age would do where he's he's walking around on the windowsill swinging his toy sword pretending to fight people you know that's because everything else up to that point is almost too terrified to do anything like that you can see a very relaxed an at peace child in comparison to to everything that had come before, you know. Whereas, um, yeah, the, like you say, the scene in the school play is is sort of neither here nor there. 
all right, you see Bruce Willis stood there with a big cheesy grin on his face watching it. But yeah, they, they, I think they, like you say, they tried to work too many things in. Like the, the kid who was the actor in the advert uh, now plays the, the idiot in the play and um, sort of has to suffer it. And it's just, yeah, trying trying to achieve too much in one scene, I think. Yeah, another thing that it wasn't completely noticeable, but the the score was was relatively good for the film but there's a few scenes where just before the jump it it's building up so you can tell there's a jump coming yeah you know i like a soundtrack where if you're going to have a jump let's let's not be aware that it's it's coming yeah because it sort of takes away the punch of that and it's one of the most notable bits was where he's in the little girl's room and then it's it's that reverse sort of symbol noise so it's like uh, getting louder and louder you know just before sudden, she's under the bed like out comes the hand grabs his leg there's not a lot that i can pick holes with in this film i did enjoy it again watching it again but it's, it's one that i wouldn't it's a sort of a middle of the road film it's not an astounding film yes it's a great twist it's really clever but it's it looks decent enough but it's not a film that I would say, oh, that's, an, that's an, a masterpiece. I, I don't know. How do you feel about it? I think, um, yeah, that, you know, it's, I think it's got a really good premise as a film, you know, and it's proven uh, time and time again because so many other people have made films based around a similar premise. There's nothing uh, that stands out visually about the film um, so much. There are there's some nice shots, uh, you know, where... The, the awkwardness of going in this dead girl's bedroom where it's shot on a really wide-angle lens that really distorts uh, Cole and Malcolm as they stood at the door reaching out for the doorknob and sort of things like that. Just subtle things. But I think, you know, on the whole, like you say, it's you can't, you know, even like me mentioning about um, there needing to be more resolution with Cole helping people. I mean, that's just a mind, that's splitting hairs, really. You know what I mean? It's nothing big to sort of hold on to. Yeah. So I think personally that bit was the end of the story between him and his mum. So I'm quite... That wasn't an issue for me. Um, there wasn't a lot of issues. But saying that, at night, you know, the director, his films aren't films that I've I've run towards. Having watched this and really enjoyed it back when it first came out, as I said, I've never watched it again until now. I watched... Was the next one he done Unbreakable? Oh, that there are scenes in Unbreakable that are. Is it where he's in the park and he he falls on the roundabout, or the roundabout's picking up speed and he can't get off? And and oh my god, the sound of breaking glass when the kid falls and it's horrific. Oh my god, the effect of that, and and then it's echoed again with Samuel Jackson where he's trying to hurry up after Bruce Willis down those steps and he falls. Yeah, yeah. I can't watch it. I physically can't watch it again. I, I I'll watch the film again happily, but at that scene, I have to step out of the room or put my fingers in my ears. It is horrendous. See, I watched that Unbreakable. I watched Signs, and I'm looking at the scores on Rotten Tomatoes here on. Uh, the Sixth Sense got 80, 86%. So, obviously, you know, that's a good score. Unbreakable was then 70. Signs was 74. But I, Signs was where I lost interest. I just didn't enjoy that film. 
and I thought the the twist was pretty contrived where it's it's his wife saying certain things that all come into play in the last oh two minutes, yeah and I just swing thought, away Meryl swing away or whatever it was uh, yeah it was, and I just I just didn't like that as a twist I thought that's just clutching at straws and like I say that was the last film of his that I've watched looking down the list I've got After Earth downstairs never watched it The Last Airbender that's got 5% on Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> After Earth had 11% so the Lady in the Water, 25. The Village was 43. Yeah, I didn't really sort of go for The Village. See, so the, that's The Village comes after Signs and then it drops off. People were saying, like, you know, they're losing interest in his films from there yeah. up until The Visit is 68%. And then The S- Split, which, it, it, did you say, is a sort of a sequel to Unbreakable? Obviously, you meet Bruce Willis and uh, Samuel Jackson in Unbreakable. And then you meet the Beast, which is played by um, Mac- McAvoy in um, Split. And then obviously they're all together in Glass. And um... Ah, see, because the Split has gone up to 77%. So he's, you can tell that's a decent film. Glass gone down to 37%. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, from what I understand, McAvoy's performance in Split was exceptional. Well, I think... I like until we just before we, we was discussing this just before the the podcast and you said about Split. I've always wanted to watch Split. Never realised who the director was. I never realised it was part of the, the Unbreakable right sort of series. I never realised that. So now I'm quite intrigued to watch that. So I might have to dig out Unbreakable and then watch all three of those films again. But as I said, he's not a director that I've ran towards or felt the need to watch his films you know i think if you if we if we look back over it uh, six cents the village signs uh unbreakable five films that are perfectly watchable films but they're very all of them very middle of the roady films i think unfortunately you know it's not that they're bad films they're just not really great films apart from the six cents nothing made as much money as that that made in its box office uh, 673 million I think The Sixth Sense though The Sixth Sense had that sort of punch to it because when you come out of the cinema you know it's it's got that real talking point about it yeah you know and it's it's got that thing that people want to go and say to them, oh my god have you seen The Sixth Sense did you see that coming and they're like oh no I haven't oh my god you've got to see it because no one, I think no people as well no to ruin it for anyone else did they no no but I think that's the it was such a good twist that you felt compelled not to see like, I've got one one of my mates in particular will talk about films and I always go, I haven't watched that yet, don't go on any <laughs> because I know he's going to just ruin the ending for me every time he talks about film. Yeah. And it's so frustrating. But I'm surprised that so many people didn't ruin The Sixth Sense because I didn't watch it the day it came out, I don't think, you know, and I didn't know the ending. I didn't ruin it for other people. One of my, the funniest experiences I ever had was at um, the V Festival and beside the stage they have a screen where you text the fest and you can text to this screen and put up a message and it will play in between the bands Yeah. and the Harry Potter one of the Harry Potter books had come out and everyone was like talking about it oh something happens in this book you won't believe it Yeah. and I remember just being stood in this crowd with like 50,000 other people and up on the screen it says 
Dumbledore die snake <laughs> and it was just amazing this the whole crowd of people just went <laughs> all at the same time and then that whole same crowd just burst out laughing because it was just it was just a genius stroke the reaction was hilarious yeah and no it's brilliant well, it's brilliant yeah. and it's not brilliant. I mean, obviously, you know, don't go around ruining things for people. But if you're going to do it, do it in fashion, obviously. That is the way to do yeah. it. <laughs> Ruined it for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, well, I think we've uh, sort of discussed the sixth sense enough here, Nath, don't you? Do you feel anything else you, you'd like to add? No, I've got to be honest. It's, um, don't get me wrong, right? I mean, in preparation for doing this podcast... Uh, I watched the film literally 20 minutes before we sat down to have this conversation. I enjoyed it, but it's just missing that, for me personally, it's just missing that certain bit of punch or grit or something that really sort of cements you into the film. You know, other than the big twist, it doesn't, doesn't really have anything much that stands out about it. There's a few good, you know, there's good performances in it. Tony Collette is sort of, noteworthy like I said Donnie Wahlberg at the beginning I've really yep. impressed and obviously Haley Joel Osment really astounding in this film but it is, it is essentially a one trick pony isn't it now you've seen it you know the twist you possibly get one, one more viewing out of this to watch all the bits that you miss it's been over 20 years since I last watched it and I'd imagine if I ever watched it again it wouldn't be for another 20 years so Nath Trev thanks ever so much for joining me no worries thanks for giving us a shout mate I appreciate the uh, chance to view these films and sort of uh, pass judgement yeah we are judgmental aren't we little shits hell of a judgmental take it easy buddy and thank you everyone for listening see you all again soon we'll see you again thank you cheers bye Found